honestly, I just felt my heart being pulled back to the South. Mm-hmm. Especially through my experience in grad school, I I started to grow a passion for like advocating for communities, minority communities, and also learning about our food culture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that originated in the South. And so all of those different components led me back to Mississippi. And once again, I'm not a traditional dietitian, but I started working in a traditional space at first. Before I moved back to Mississippi, I moved to Tennessee. And I was in a traditional space, but it was just so hard for me to to like recommend these Eurocentric recommendations to my patients, and it just wasn't clicking. And I had to help them unlearn things about cultural foods, and I saw that was a common theme. Mm-hmm. And that common theme led me to like really think out the box and found grits, which is growing resilience in the South. And I bridged the gap between nutrition and culture through storytelling. Welcome back to Jackson Transplants, the Welcome Committee for Transplants. Jacksonian is welcome, but not necessary. I'm Ashley Kelly, the host, lifelong transplant and serial entrepreneur. In this episode, I chat with Charday Meeks, writer, food activist, registered dietitian, and executive director of Growing Resilience in the South Grits. So I'm going to let you kind of explain, um, like, what do you do exactly? Give, give me the history of what you do and how you ended up back in Jackson. Okay, um, so I am a registered dietitian. I still am a registered dietitian. I'm just not in a traditional space as a registered dietitian. And um, I got here 1,600 miles uh, away from California. That's where I was studying to become a dietitian. And I thought I was going to stay in California, actually. Mm -hmm. I had this dream of living in Long Beach, by the beach somewhere. Um, But... That didn't happen that way. Uh, a lot of things um, just led me here. Honestly, I just felt my heart being pulled back to the South. Mm-hmm. Especially through my experience in grad school, I I started to grow a passion for like advocating for communities, minority communities, and also learning about our food culture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that originated in the South. And so all of those different components led me back to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And once again, I'm not a traditional dietitian. But I started working in a traditional space at first. Before I moved back to Mississippi, I moved to Tennessee. And I was in a traditional space, but it was just so hard for me to, to like, recommend these Eurocentric mm-hmm. recommendations to my patients. And it just wasn't clicking. And I had to help them unlearn things about cultural foods, and I saw that was a common theme. Mm-hmm. And that common theme led me to, like, really think out the box and found grits which is growing resilience in the South. And I bridge the gap between nutrition and culture through storytelling. So I want to say we attended your documentary, and I felt when I left, I was like, I have to tell everybody about this. 
And the reason why I felt that way, first of all, it was really good just Thank in general. You. I know when it opened with you saying that you wanted to come back, I'm like, what? Why would she want to come <laughs> But anyway, just because I like visiting uh, L.A., so I'm like, why would she want to come back? Especially being a dietitian in L.A., I would imagine your job is easier because every time I go there, it's like, I got to eat all this vegan food. I got to eat all this. I lose weight whenever I visit L.A., so. But, um... The other reason why I thought it was really good is because, you know, I grew up with a grandmother who was a dietitian. She worked for VA for 30-something years. And my other grandmother, she worked for Weight Watchers for over 30-something years. So the common theme between the both of them was moderation. Mm -hmm. It was not really hardcore diets. It was not excluding anything from their diet. It's just, you know, like how they had the chart, the pyramid. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, she was an old-school dietitian. (laughs) So she's like... I'm eating this much fruit every day, this many vegetables every day. One thing that sticks in my head, you know, when I go home is I eat differently when I'm home. So my my mom's mom is always like starch, starch, starch. She's like, you have one starch <laughs> in a meat, but otherwise, like, you need to have vegetables and stuff like that. So I tend to kind of straighten up when I'm out there. But when I think about kind of what's happening uh, nationwide, what it's like in Jackson, and and I'm probably hopping ahead, (laughs) and just um, the rise of veganism, not in general, but in Jackson, too. And, you know, I mentioned kind of in my notes that I don't know why I know all the vegans here, because, (laughs) like, I literally don't subscribe. But anyway, with all that happening and being in Jackson or being in Mississippi, one of the unhealthiest states i'm like this would be a perfect discussion to have because i think when everybody gives their opinion on food it's not from they're not educated on the field you know it's just uh this is what i saw on the internet this is what was trending um and that's kind of the narrative they go with they're taking a hundred thousand supplements they're taking sea moss it's like taking you gotta take dairy out the diet you gotta take me out the diet so it was like really to me it was important to have a conversation with people about what can you eat you know and not only your documentary but i saw recently online like soul food soul food meant really people were pulling food out of their gardens it meant it was almost vegetable based you know like Mm -hmm. you had a meal whatever but you were really heavy on your vegetables and stuff like that so i guess i say all that to say is you came back to Jackson kind of for a reason. You talked about, like, people unlearning it. I guess what would be some advice you would have for Jacksonians when people are being pulled in all these directions when it comes to, you know, food? Um, my advice would be, going back to your point, moderation, but to see if you, if you do have that privilege of, like, being able to connect with your elders in your family. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is definitely a privilege, and learning from them, like, mm-hmm. hearing them talk about what they're cooking, learning their recipes, um, because our ancestors and our grandmothers and our elders are really resilient, mm-hmm. and it's not just because of, like, by happenstance, like, right. what they ate, too, p- played a part right. in their resilience, and I think when we can learn, too, from them and not just what the media is telling us, because at the end of the day, too, media is rooted, a lot of it's rooted in capitalism, too. They're going to, like, right. promote what's going to sell. Right. So some of that stuff is just, you know, marketing. But I would say just go back to your roots. Like, if you can, just talk to your grandmothers and cook with them. And, you know, those little practical things can make a big difference. And you not only connect with food in a, uh, in a sense where you learn about nutrition or recipes, but you're also learning about your culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, imp- that's very empowering, especially – 
uh, in society and today where we feel always disconnected from things. So when you can reconnect, not only to food, but to your family, I think that's powerful in itself. Mm -hmm. So I guess my next question would be, and this is the thing that pisses me off about (laughs) diets and veganism is, you know, Jackson, Mississippi, a lot of those pockets suffer from food deserts. So I said, sometimes it's not a matter of diet and want to be healthy. It's what is going to last long because, first of all, I'm poor. Secondly, I might not have a ride to the grocery store. And, you know, the grocery store might not be, you know, it's so far or whatever. It's like I might not go there often. So I know sometimes, you know, the way we buy food, you know, once a week or once a month, it's probably already unhealthy in itself because it's like what kind of chemicals are used to kind of preserve it for this long period of time. But also, like, you literally don't have a choice. And I think sometimes with these trends, with how you should eat or being a vegan, it kind of discount people who don't have access to certain things. Mm-hmm. So I guess how do people or, you know, how do we work around that that we just have, we don't have access to kind of be the healthiest people we can be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one reason why I don't subscribe to a diet because I, I understand, I understand, like, to be a vegan is kind of a privilege. It literally um, is. And I also understand there's so many ways you can be healthy. You don't mm-hmm. have to restrict to be healthy. And in grad school, I actually wrote a cookbook. Um, it was uh, focusing on food literacy, mm-hmm. and it was called One Pantry Meals. And in the book, all the ingredients were ingredients you could find at a local food pantry because I was trying to empower people who were food insecure with a resource mm-hmm. so they can find, like, even though I am struggling with all these barriers, even though I do have food insecurities, there's still things I can do to improve my health. Mm-hmm. And so when I even talk to patients, I focus on what you can do, not what we can't, because mm-hmm. there's so many things we can't change. We can't change systemic racism in one night. We can't change not having transportation. So there's ways we can navigate our food system mm-hmm. and our food environment. So what I do is just try to encourage people ways to navigate their food environment. I even made like a, um, I was working at the JLC, the Jackson Free Clinic, and I made a handout uh, for low low blood pressure, like people dealing with high blood pressure foods you can eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the foods were foods you could find at the Dollar General because, mm. you know, we are in a food desert. And so, but this is a Dollar General and they do have some low sodium options that you can choose mm-hmm. from. So trying to educate people on the resources that they do have instead of focusing on what we don't, I think is uh, a great place to start because it can be very disempowering if we're just focusing on what we don't have. Mm-hmm. And that's really smart for you because it's like, who would think to go, because people talk about talk crap about oh another dollar general coming up but sometimes that's like the only grocery store mm-hmm. people have in their area so it's like what do you want people to do they have to eat right. food you know yeah. and yeah it's just really hard because it's like it's, it's a lack of empathy sometimes mm-hmm. to me and that's like i said that's the only thing that agitates me it's like you know and i'm not trying to just solely pick on vegans or anybody being healthy but sometimes you see these plates and they need a hundred thousand ingredients and products to make it like edible (laughs) and then that (laughs) stuff is sometimes filled with sodium and stuff like that too so i just wonder like if they're considerate of the people around them and that there's reasons why everybody can't subscribe and that is one you know the biggest reason Like, since the pandemic, I go grocery shopping at the Walmart in Madison. 
Because when it hit, I said, I know who's going to always have stuff in stock. And it's going to be in Madison. That's sad, too. Yeah. And I feel, you (laughs) know, my preference is to order my groceries and pick it up. But even if I don't, I'm still, if I can't get everything from Walmart in Madison, I go to the Kroger in Madison. Mm. Because I'm like, they're going to always have, and literally throughout the pandemic, when people were running out of water and essentials, I was like, they have everything here. (laughs) You know? Yeah, it's. It's really uh, unfortunate. That's why I think I got into this phase of this a lot of advocacy and just bringing awareness towards it because mm-hmm. it was agitating me as a dietitian. That's why I knew I couldn't work as a dietitian in California. It's too much elitism and yeah. around healthy and you know being healthy like it's it's really on another level and people don't see how it's toxic. almost an addiction. It's, it's really toxic now. Yeah. And people, um, a lot of people subscribe to like a lot of disordered. Be eating behaviors. I won't yeah. say they have eating disorders, but they yeah. have a lot of disordered eating behaviors. The way they're really like obsessive with healthy eating, obsessive with this type of. Is that the orthorexia? Is a eating disorder where you're just obsessed with being healthy? And a lot of my classmates, I believe, had that. <laughs> to be honest, my my cousin who's in LA. One time she texted us, was like, "I want a cookie. Oh my god, I'm so fat." And I was like, "For a cookie, girl?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. "Please get off my phone." Yeah. And I. I do believe the longer you're in environments like that, that it is going to get you and you're going to conform. It's like, I have to have this diet. I have to recycle. I have to do these things. I have to wear Doc Martens in the summer because that's just the environment Mm -hmm. you're in. So, and she's from Arkansas originally. So I'm like, you don't even really, I'm sorry. (laughs) I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that was interesting to me and it it didn't really feel authentic to you. It didn't really talk about, well, this is the benefits to adopting this type of lifestyle. It's almost like, well, everybody else is doing it, so you're supposed to do it. Yeah. You know, so that's really interesting, you know, to me. So um, what is your definition of soul food? Um, It's hard for me to define in one sentence, but I will say... I kind of think a soul food is like, have you uh, heard of like fusion cuisine and stuff like that? Godfrey's comes to mind. Yeah, I feel like soul food is like the original fusion cuisine. Okay. Because enslaved Africans had to come use what they had. Mm -hmm. They combined European ingredients with African ingredients, indigenous ingredients, indigenous techniques, all these things to create uh, African-American food culture. Mm -hmm. And out of that came soul food. And I think... Is that like the original fusion cuisine that we made, and it's also symbolic of our resilience mm-hmm. and just our our connectiveness as well? Because during the Great Migration, uh, so before the Great Migration, soul food was just in the South, mm-hmm. but after that, like you could see soul food in all these different parts of mm-hmm. the United States, and that is that, it soul food if it's in different parts of the United mm-hmm. States. Yeah, you think yeah, so? yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it may not taste the same, but I think does it have soul? <laughs> yeah. Especially like in Chicago, like um, like a lot of Black Panthers, like that's yeah. kind of how they like during their meetings. Mm-hmm. That was what they ate yeah. because they were familiar with it. That's what they ate at home, and so mm-hmm. they brought that part of home to the north. Was the food good in Chicago? Yeah, you went to those restaurants, yes. but I wanted to <laughs> ask, was it good? Because you know, when you're far removed from a generation of being in the South, it starts kind of get getting worried yeah. a little bit. So I'm like, but was it good? It was good, and okay. I think it made sense why it was good because all these people had connections to Mississippi. Right, right. And I think when we, you know, carry those legacies, because sometimes they like drop some seasonings on the way. Like yeah, sometimes but they, they, they were on it. 
they were owning <laughs> like i was very impressed okay yeah okay okay <laughs> is mac and cheese a meal i don't even <laughs> I don't even like mac and cheese like that. I'm so sorry. Oh <laughs> I'll eat it, but I'm not just gonna like ask for it or order it. But I think, I mean, you have have your protein. The cheese contains protein. Your noodles is a carbohydrate. Um, just missing a bit, so it's almost a complete meal. So if I <laughs> ate it with a side of vegetables, yeah, is that a meal? Is a side that salad, meal? yeah, side some carrots, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what is your opinion of spaghetti and fish? I feel like that's like a, a classic Southern. Is it pair? Yeah. So <laughs> when I went to a family reunion with my husband, we first got married. I saw, you know, like it's a buffet of food, and I saw spaghetti, and I saw fish, and I'm like, well, who put this together? This must have been a mistake. <laughs> but then the following year, I saw it again, and then I saw it again. I was like, okay, they're doing this on purpose. So I was like, and it, there's this debate. This debate happens. I feel like quarterly. It's like for me, fish is a meat, but this spaghetti is also a meal. So I'm like, how does this go together? Especially if you have meat in it. If you have meat and spaghetti, do you need catfish? But I mean, it's just little ground pieces of meat. I would it's still say, meat though. <laughs> I, would say, I would say honestly, I feel like it balances out a little bit more, like having that protein. Cause yeah. It's like it's still like you said, it's still meat, but it's more filling when you have like actual like protein like that fish by itself in my opinion and that is a complete meal if we're gonna you know be technical yeah tomato sauce and you know i know i know (laughs) i saw a series and i forgot the name of it um on netflix but and i don't know if you saw it but he was traveling to all the hog no i don't remember was well he traveled did he go to africa he did yeah how on the hog and then they had kind of a version of something mixing like tomato paste and fish and i was like okay i can respect it Mm. because things happen to us um and we don't even know why there's a connection to a lot of things and this is something that's just embedded in us from being you know our our origins being from africa so i was like okay i can ease up a little bit because at first i was like it don't go together yeah it don't match <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why i honestly that's why i love food so much because it you can still trace it back to africa mm-hmm. and especially for african-americans like our culture is kind of like we don't know everything about right. our culture but even through foods we can identify with yeah. it uh, just like certain habits like um even like the sweet potato and the yam, like I yeah. love how we use it interchangeably. Even mm-hmm. though the sweet potato and the yam are two different things, the yeah. yam was the, you know, the the sweet potato was the most familiar thing right. to African yam. Right. And so I, I appreciate that's still part of our culture because right. it keeps us connected to some of this history and culture that's kind of been um, pulled apart from us. Yeah. Or even like gumbo mm-hmm. and. Um, the word meaning, yeah, you know, okra, okra yeah, okra, or I'm yeah. even thinking, nah, I've never had jollof before. I want to try it, but I feel like jollof and jambalaya is essentially the same thing as well. So, no, I ain't gonna is say it that on the mic? Okay. <laughs> would you say off the mic? No, nope. <laughs> I would imagine jollof might be better. What do you think? I only had jollof like once, uh, and I made it, so I, I want, I want it from like, uh, um. So, Someone from Nigeria or yeah, um, but there's yeah. a new restaurant yeah. in North Jackson, and mm-hmm. I have to try it yeah. because I I, I feel try like it it's too. similar, yeah. but I would imagine it could be better because I'm I know with jambalaya is kind of like 
fusing a lot of yeah. cultures yeah. together. To make I would that say dish, that they you know? probably did get some influence because mm-hmm. rice, um, you know, rice is a was a huge part of African culture, especially the, those African countries on the coastal region they grew rice that's why rice became so popular in the carolinas and Mm -hmm. that's why we have so many rice dishes like like jollof rice in africa and like uh, jambalaya in the southern states have you had jambalaya in houston before i don't even know if i've been in houston jambalaya in houston is awful first of all (laughs) first of all it's white so no it's not jambalaya they're dirty rice oh okay it's white and it has like this minty undertone and i oh. guess it's probably because the mexican culture maybe play a role in it but uh, i'm like your dirty rice is not even dirty I why are y'all telling this so <laughs> so achilles actually originally from houston so okay i didn't know that yeah so yeah i heard food in t- texas sorry anyone listening from texas but i heard food in texas is not that good it's not good to me <laughs> <laughs> it is literally not good to me at all. I think if you want Mexican food, yeah, you can get that. You can. It's fine. You can get that. <laughs> I need. I need other people to speak up. But, and I don't think my in laws listen to this podcast. Are oh, they from Texas? Yeah, because you know, like I said, he's originally oh, okay. from Houston. He oh, has family Houston. here too, oh, okay. but he's originally from Houston. But when I had to go there for the holidays, I was like. Like, what am I going to eat? But then, <laughs> with all the storms happening in New Orleans, I had I started having more and more of my family from New Orleans migrate oh, to Houston. Okay. So now when I go, I'm like, well, good. I'm just going to eat in my auntie house first. Mm-hmm. And then when I get to his mom's house, I'm going to be like, I'm full. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's still highly was- insulting, but <laughs> that has been what I've been doing in recent years. I'm like, y'all food, barbecue, I wouldn't do barbecue out there either. I think yeah. Kansas City has the best barbecue. Really? Even over Jackson. I've never been to Kansas City, so I can't speak on I that. I feel like Kansas City, Missouri, I think so. Yeah. I think they have the best. But disclaimer, I've only been eating barbecue since I've been with AK. So how long have they been? Let's see. We've been married like seven years. I think, yeah, once we got married and we went to Memphis. Wow. And I was like, I don't like wet meat. They have dry rubs. <laughs> well, now I get it. I get, like, the sauce on the side, but I'm like, I don't want to, I don't um, do wet, I don't do any, I don't, like, smother any of that. Oh, really? I'm like, I don't want to touch. Wow. <laughs> that's, it's interesting. Is this a safe space? I don't feel like this is no, safe No, no, this is safe. I'm not judging. <laughs> I'm not judging. I promise you. It's just interesting because I have, like, some certain aversions to, like, texture. Like, I. I have a texture issue. Mm-hmm. So, I am an extreme picky eater. And that's part of my reason for hating vegans because it's like, oh, try this. And I'm like, I literally don't try. Yeah. That's why I'm picky. So, I have a smell, look. And <laughs> if I get to texture, if I'm willing to taste it, that's the thing that takes me out. Yeah. So, like, I remember I tried oatmeal, like, as an adult. And I was like, this is disgusting. I yeah. don't like how it feels. Yeah, I can't do <laughs> But I, 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 I mess with grits, though. Yeah, yeah, me too. Same, same. Like, if I eat yogurt, I have, help, I have to have, like, granola in it. And I can't eat mashed potatoes, but I can eat baked potatoes. It's just something about it's too mashed for I me. Feel, <laughs> I feel seen right now. <laughs> like I'm not judging you. It's definitely a safe space. I, I recently have been more open to bread, but even with bread, bread I would not eat soft bread. Mm. So I would eat, like, a roll, or I could eat pizza crust, but, like, I don't eat sandwiches. I don't eat hamburgers. Oh. I don't eat hot dogs. I don't eat any of that because it's, like, it's too much going on, and it's the soft bread. And I just feel like soft bread, it just sits in your mouth and it, and it <laughs> develops into like a ball and it chokes you and then you die. That's how I feel about bread. 
Well, that went from one to ten real quick. <laughs> so that's part of the reason I get upset because I'm like, I literally, and now I'm raising a daughter who seems to be picky too. And for me, I'm like, I'm more understanding because I know what it was like. And my family, contrary to popular belief, you know, my family did not force me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like whatever worked for me, that's what they gave me. And I had options because I can go to my grandparents' house, to my other grandparents' house. You know, my mom may have cooked, my aunt may. So I had options if I didn't want to eat something. Mm-hmm. So I know they're like, oh, force these kids to eat or let them starve. And I was like, I was born in the 80s, and my family didn't do that to me. They were kind of respectful. And over time, I have I probably tried more food since I've been married to Achilles, and I trust him cooking. But otherwise, I am very much so on the stream side. Um, we got some help, me and my mom. Um, we got on this diet plan. And I remember her telling us, well, instead of grits, let's do quinoa. And I'm like, it looks like a spider web. I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> That's so it was like us battling <laughs> yeah. the whole time of her telling us, instead of this, try this. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not eating that, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a good replacement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, even so I suffer from, like, extreme allergies, not only, like, regular allergies, but also, like, skin. So, like, I have, like, eczema. I have um, hives and stuff like that. So I take medication for that. And I recently asked my dad, I said, my doctor, I said, if I change my diet, would that change things for me? He was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, a lot of people push that if you have specific diets or you cut certain things from your diet, it will help you. Yeah. Now, I do know when I'm super sick, I do lay off dairy, mm-hmm. so, like, I don't drink coffee during that time and stuff like that when I have mucus. So I do those yeah. little things, but ultimately he was like, no, like, genetically, like, this is just yeah. your issue, yeah. you know? It really depends on the person. Like, some yeah. people are more sensitive to certain foods. Some yeah. foods do cause, like, more inflammation yeah. in some people's bodies. So that's that's why I don't like the fats and stuff like that because – it's, it paints this picture like it's going to work for everybody, but right. our bodies are so different. Our, gen- our genetic makeup is so yeah. different. You and, then, and then my issue is autoimmune, too. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so you said you don't like fast. So what about the church fast that they make people do? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, um, just, like, diet culture. She also itself. needs your pastor. <laughs> She's not going to No, I'm kind of fasting right now, but I don't <laughs> food, but <laughs> <laughs> alcohol. But um, just... Just the culture of it, I think it just. I used to work at an eating disorder center, so mm-hmm. I just got a different perspective on diet culture because I yeah. saw the negative impact it can have on people. Mm-hmm. And people, African Americans, it's this kind of taboo thing. People don't talk about eating disorders in the African American community, don't. but, but they, they create do. them, you know, because even something as simple as me going home and having more weight. You know, it's like, oh, like, what you doing? You know, you need to make sure. <laughs> you yeah, know? like, I and, don't. And black people do that a lot. Yeah, they, I don't. Mm, yeah. yeah. I try, I try to, like, I don't, I try to avoid unsolicited comments about people's bodies. Yeah. Too, whether you thin or bigger size, like, you don't know what kind of thing that can trigger in someone. Right. Um, and even, like, telling people to put more food on their plate. Like, listen to your body. I know when I'm full. I know when I'm hungry, you know? So I think we do have to unlearn certain habits that have been, like, just kind of embedded in in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the way – that's the reason I don't like, like, diets and diet culture Mm -hmm. because it can have a negative impact on, like, how we see ourselves Mm -hmm. and um, just disordered behavior as well. And that's – and I know – 
like I said, I hope they don't listen. But especially <laughs> like with my in laws, like when I first, but, and then going to Texas, and I feel like when they say everything is bigger in Texas, like that is a fact because it's like they expect you to put everything in your plate and pile it up. And I'm like, oh no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, in some households, and that's not exclusive to Texas, but that's in general. Like when you go to people's house mm-hmm. and they cook, they expect you to eat. Yeah. And they don't really give consideration to other things, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, don't listen to your pastor when they say it's sad. <laughs> I didn't say that. That's that's, the, that's how we're gonna summarize this. <laughs> so, I guess I mean we've talked about it, but I'll just ask you directly. Directly, is there any advice for people who want to be healthier but not bored? Like we talked about talking to the elders and the family and stuff like that. Is there anything else? Mm-hmm. People, is it as complicated? No, it's not. As people make it. I know we hear a lot of different things that you can do. Um, one one simple thing that you can do is, like, try a new, like, vegetable or fruit um, every week or whenever you go grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. Or even even if something you never tried before or even what's on sale. Like, mm-hmm. I do that sometimes. I, like, I don't always stick to my list because I like to try different things. Mm-hmm. So I, I think exploring and just experimenting with things is fun. I know that's, like, scary for people who are picky eaters, <laughs> but yeah. that's one thing. But for people who may not be that adventurous, I think yeah. another thing could be to grow something. You don't have to have a backyard. Mm. You don't have to have a garden. You could literally have a mint plant. Yeah. You know, and that can make drinking water fun because if you start growing mint, you can, like, start adding stuff to your water yeah. and just encourage you to drink more water. So that's something practical you can do. And once you start doing one thing, you want to you wanna do something else. Yeah. And I think you just go at your own pace. Yeah. So I think um, – Finding a way to connect with food, uh, whether that's through recipes, whether through growing food, whether mm-hmm. that's through watching food documentaries yeah. and um, trying different foods. Mm-hmm. And I, I know we heard this before, like, eat the rainbow, like, a colorful plate. That's what I told you. My yeah. grandmother <laughs> is like, and I yeah. don't know if the pyramid is still relevant. No. Well, it's but still, that's yeah, how we don't she, use it, yeah. <laughs> that is literally how she eats yeah. every day, you know. Yeah, and... um. Like, kind of what we were saying, like, soul food was a really a lot of plant-based food. Right. So, if we go, you know, connect back to that part of our culture, we're, like, kind of already having fun because we're connecting and learning about our culture, but still creating balance because it's going to be a heavy plant-based meal because that's just how our ancestors ate. Right, right. Somebody's visiting you, maybe California from wherever, they've never been to Jackson, and they're going to be here for 24 hours. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, where would you suggest they eat? Are you going to cook for them, or are you guys going out? Like, what would you recommend? Uh, it depends on who it is, if mm-hmm. I'm cooking, because I don't cook for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're going to brunch, because I love brunch. Um, two places for brunch. I would say LaCour, because it's black-owned, and I love the vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, like, piano for brunch. Um, or Manship, because I just love obviously a manship and they have really good brunch um can they do a bottomless mimosa around you are you gonna be like that's too much sugar uh, <laughs> no i do <laughs> i do bottomless <laughs> depending on what i gotta do uh later in the day <laughs> but yeah no i don't know if any of those do bottomless though that's the thing when i move back i noticed a lot of places don't do bottomless yeah. here um but that may look good for me uh <laughs> for, <a> l- <laughs> for lunch that's hard, but... I mean, I w- they had brunch, so do they need lunch? Yeah, they they probably don't need lunch. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we did go on a lunch, I was thinking, like, Johnny T's, or okay. um, if it's a Monday, uh, or any day, but I know a lot of restaurants are closed on Mondays, mm-hmm. but Sugar's Place, they got some good chicken and waffles. 
I don't I, know. You, I've only had breakfast there, like the very basic breakfast. I've never yeah, eaten anything got, else, and I need to try. Yeah, and they have specials, and it's it's nothing like fancy. But I love those like chill yeah. environments, like and it's affordable. Yeah, and it's black owned. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, she's really. I met the owner. She's really yeah. like. I love her story. Um, but dinner, this is kind of like. It feel like the the eyeball out, but Elvis, I love Elvis. Yes, I they are <laughs> growing on me. Yeah. you know, I went there earlier this year, and we were just popping in for a drink before we went to a comedy show, literally for drinks, right? And I guess because we were sitting right there where he cooks, he gave us. I think it was like mashed potatoes and pork belly. So you know me, I'm picky. So mm-hmm. I'm like, first of all, the food is touching. First, I don't <laughs> like my food touching guys. So I'm like, first of all, the food is touching, and like pork belly, like. But I, when I went with him, because he gave us this food for free, and I tried it, and it was all really good. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm like, and when I find situations like that, especially like when I'm at home, I'm more likely to take risks, because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is good, and I don't even eat this stuff. Maybe I can try a few more yeah. things. So I do mess with them. Yeah. Though. And I haven't tried it yet, but they also have like a tasting menu. I don't know how many mm. courses. I think it may be like a 10-course tasting menu. And I don't know of any other restaurant like that uh-huh. in Jackson. And I I did a solo trip for my birthday a couple years ago, and I did like a 12-course. It was in North Carolina, but I did like a 12-course tasting menu. I had like wines with each course. It was just such an experience. And mm. I think my friends, well, I don't know if they're foodies, but if my friend that was a was a foodie and they came to visit me, that's mm-hmm. definitely like something we would try. Cause that's it's, a new it's an restaurant experience. that does that. That's downtown, and I can't recall the name right now, and I should. <laughs> I feel like I know what you're talking. I think I saw it on Instagram. But I yeah. haven't checked it checked them out yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, I know they do that type of stuff there. Yeah. So also, um, could you talk a little bit about your documentary? I just want to say it was so so good, and I was kind of like. I know you went on tour with it first and stuff. I was like, when is it, like, when is it going to be released to the public? Like, when I asked you about this interview, because I'm like, literally, I feel like everybody <laughs> needs to see this. Yeah. And is it Geechee Gola or Gola Geechee? Gola Geechee. Well, okay. yeah, Gola Geechee. Okay, so I know, you know, I did my ancestry stuff. I've always felt really connected to that culture, and I guess maybe being from New Orleans, and there's some similarities but then even my ancestry results, like, you know, ancestors came through that area as well. And that's a place I definitely, definitely want to go. I love mm-hmm. that they're preserving the culture. So that I know that was featured in your document. So do you want to talk a little bit, I yeah. guess, what you can talk about? Um, yeah, yeah. So um, my documentary is called Food is Resistance. And the whole premise of it is kind of what we've been talking about today. It's just um, there's so many systemic issues mm-hmm. that have try to disconnect us from our health and from food mm-hmm. but we can't resist we can resist it by reconnecting with food mm-hmm. and we can reconnect through stories by going like learning about our food culture so many ways to reconnect mm-hmm. and i wanted to showcase that in the film yeah and so that's why i travel to different parts of the country exploring the african-american food story um and i had to start in south carolina mm-hmm. because that was like kind of where a lot of uh, african african enslaved africans first stepped foot on right the, uh, Af- in the united states so um, it was just a it was a fun experience, and I've been going to well last this year I went to a lot of different universities in Mississippi and outside of Mississippi, showing this documentary. Documentary, but before I showed the documentary at each space I went to, I had this conversation about these systemic issues. Right, um, and it, it was very powerful for me because a lot of these spaces were white spaces. I and was wondering <laughs> how that was going to look. Yeah, you know. 
we're just different when it comes to food. Like, even where I said about having someone who was helping my mom and I would die, it was food like we just don't eat at all, mm-hmm. you know? So I was wondering how they would take it when yeah. they have a very different perspective on food. Yeah, but it's like they've been feeding us their perspective on food all these years. So that's true. It's like, that's why it was a powerful thing for me because it's like, okay, this is our narrative. This is part of the story that has been erased you know, from the books, from mm-hmm. the textbooks, because I didn't learn about my culture in culinary school or in dietetics. So that's a problem, you know. So for me to be there, it was like a, a act of resistance, too, to be there. Um, but I will say my screening that I had in Jackson, Mississippi, for my event was my favorite screening, just because I, I could tell y'all got it. Because, you know, in those white spaces, they didn't always laugh at the parts that y'all laughed yeah. at. So it still was like... A disconnect you know mm-hmm. they didn't connect fully with it but like when i was here with my people like yeah. y'all got it and it, it was, was just so yeah. <laughs> good i don't know me, many people have said that but like i said for me because i feel like i discussed food so much and i came from backgrounds where you know like i said with dietitian and stuff and i was like what people discuss today is not like like when i when the times i had diets or different things or like when i had my trainer i'm like my trainer <laughs> only want me eating salad and salad and that's it <laughs> They would be pissed. <laughs> they would be pissed because they were like, you literally do not have to do all of that. So mm-hmm. that's why I think it's so important for so many people to see because, like you said, they're just influenced by so many things. And um, I can't wait till it's available to everyone. Okay, so where can people follow you in general? Yeah, I have um, Instagram and Facebook. Um, Grits Inc. on Facebook and Grits underscore Inc. on Instagram. And I also have a website, gritsinc.org. Um, you can subscribe mm-hmm. to our email list and get updates on like mm-hmm. when the screening will be available, what a film will be available to the public. We're also about to launch a capital campaign uh, in November. Mm-hmm. So um, be on the lookout for that on ways that you can support the mission of Grits, which is to continue to use storytelling uh, through film is our main way right mm-hmm. now to bridge that gap between nutrition and culture. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that y'all just don't follow, but like literally support it. I think it's important for them to support it. I just want to say I appreciate you reaching out um, and just allowing me to share what I do because yeah. I, I love food and I love being here in mm-hmm. Mississippi. Um, and I just appreciate the support. I really appreciate you uh, for doing this. And make sure like you keep us abreast of everything because like I said, it wasn't just because I want you on here or whatever the connection is. Like, I think this is really, really important. And it's just something I've never seen before. Like you said, they usually go into traditional jobs. And I just love that we're kind of in an era where so many people are like, I don't have to do that. I can redefine what I want to do. And that was one thing you did in the documentary. You were like, hey, I kind of left some stability to come out here and mm-hmm. launch this, and that was really inspiring as yeah. well. So thank you, thank yeah. you. I know it's hard. <laughs> it is, it is. That's a whole nother podcast. Episode. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and brave, but you know, you know. Well, guys, you can follow me at Jackson Transplants, spell GX, and and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.